Welcome back <laughs> to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. We've got a lot of playoff football to talk about, whether it be the college football national championship game that was played last night. Um, if you're watching us live uh, Monday night, if you're listening to us or watching us on YouTube. Um, and then we've got the NFL postseason. It's time for our playoff preview. Um, we'll get into that a little bit as Spoiler we. Spoiler alert. None of us are picking the points. Right. True. We're also going to dive into the Colts a little bit as well. But Brandon also, I mean, this is a big week for us because uh, our our Super Bowl champions or Super Bowl picks from the NFC uh, square off in the uh, wild card round of the postseason. So no matter what, one of our Super Bowls will be wrong, uh, you know, come the end of this weekend. Yeah, it, it, we, we, we don't take the easy road, road do we? We always uh, have to square off early. We do. We I, do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in my pick. Really yeah. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've uh, not been playing the greatest, but you know, uh, but before we get into it, B Scott, how was your weekend? You had the FCS championship to go over that. Uh, so we'll start the playoff conversation there. That was uh, a fun, you know, experience. North Dakota state wins. <laughs> yes. North Dakota state wins that one. Uh, how was your weekend B Scott? You know, it could have been better uh, battling what very well could be uh, COVID. Right oh, so you know, covering a championship while coming down with COVID. Tell you what, that is not—it's not very fun. But got the job done. North Dakota State won their ninth championship in eleven years. They're the—they're. I mean, I'll call it. Like it is. They're Alabama of the FCS, taking out number eight for the eight seed Montana State. Who, by the way, in the quarterfinals took out uh, defending national champion and number one seed Sam Houston. So, you know, but unfortunately for Montana State, on the third play of the game, they lose their starting quarterback to an apparent ankle injury. And that just kind of derailed their entire offensive game plan. And it just kind of shook their whole team because even their defense just couldn't find a rhythm. Uh, I mean, props to the most outstanding player of the game. Uh, North Dakota State's fullback, halfback extraordinaire, Hunter Lukey, three touchdowns in the first half. Unreal performance by him. Just I, I pulled, I mentioned this stat on the FCS Twitter feed. Props to the North Dakota State offensive line. There's an offensive line that, uh, hey, if you're in need from some linemen in the NFL, take a look at that one. They uh, paved the road for 380 rushing yards in the entire game. There was just no answer for that North that Bison rushing attack. It was unbelievable. So props to them. Nine and eleven seasons. That's yeah. wow. about dominance. I'd be interested That's to the see playoff format. That's the larger playoff format for you. Nine times in eleven seasons, you still come out with the same champion. I don't know if that trans if that would translate over to the uh, the FBS level, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, with the way Alabama. I mean, okay, in the past few years, Alabama's lost or hasn't won the championship two, three times. In the past how many years? In the past decade, let's just say the well, so like, they so they if started, they would have since they started their dominant run. If they would have won last night, it would have been seven and thirteen years. But I mean so I think six and thirteen years. But that would yeah, instead it's six That's and thirteen. Very close to the pace of North Dakota State. I mean, it is technically, but I also think that 
you know, it's I think it would be a little bit different because the programs are more prestigious. The, you know, NIL, I think, would play a big part into it. Um, I, I, I think, well, I think, cause I don't want to talk about the programs are more prestigious. It's a different level of football. It's yes. it, your wait. So you don't agree. They're more prestigious. You don't no, agree. I, I, I don't, I don't want to look at that as an argument as to why. Okay. There so, wouldn't be such pure domination by one, like by Alabama in the FBS compared to North Dakota state. In the well, FBS so, because so Alabama, this, oranges there. this run that Alabama is on, um, is, or, you know, has been on is it's kind of a perfect storm of everything. It's the fact that you have a legendary coach in Nick Saban. It's the fact that like, yes, Alabama, when he took over was, you know, a dumpster fire. They were getting rid of Mike Shula. They were losing to the likes of UL Monroe. Um, but, uh, that program has a lot of history. There's a lot of pride in that fan base. And it also happened during a time in which, like at the end of the BCS's run, the SEC was starting to dominate and gain more fervor on the national scale for people to, you know, for them to, you know, to, um, you know, gravitate towards. So, you know, if, you know, because great example would be Clemson. I don't know, but I don't, Clemson's, you know, a, I don't know if they're necessarily your you know typical blue blood in college football prior to their run. I know they they had not really. I remember, I remember times where prior to Dabo getting there, that the biggest news Clemson would make is they got in a fight on the field with their rival South Carolina. Right. Um. So, but I, I mean, to a much lesser scale, I mean, Clemson this year. Uh, they have a down year. The ACC is completely not even in contention to make the playoffs because Clemson's not there. If Clemson were, you know, in the if the ACC were at the level of the SEC, they wouldn't have been out after losing, you know, week one to Georgia. They wouldn't have been out losing week, you know, however, whatever week that was when they lost to NC State. So I'm just saying that it's kind of a perfect storm of, um, you know, what got to Alabama to its level, not to say that it's not deserved, but, so, but I'm saying that I, if there were more parody, I, I like, I think, I think there would be more parody if it weren't for this perfect storm run by Alabama. So what, what I'm saying though, is you don't think based off of all those factors you just said, you don't think if it was an extent, so you're, you're saying if it was an extended playoff, Alabama wouldn't have been as dominant. No, I'm what I'm saying is uh, what I'm saying is that but there's other factors that have led into Alabama. Being well, dominant. because the whole reason why you, this conversation began was because you were talking about, you know, not prestige, not factoring into it. What I'm saying is that this whole run is ba- is like it's not like Alabama was a forgotten program. Nick Saban didn't go take over, you know. Texas Tech, who's never, you know, right. won much of anything. Prestige isn't going in. I'm saying we can't say, oh, there's more prestige in the FBS. It's it's different prestige in the FBS compared to the FCS. I mean, the FCS has several but, very prestigious programs for the FCS, whereas uh, there's several prestigious programs in the FBS for the FBS. And overall, I'll, I mean, yeah. I'll say this. I think it's because, like, because what we're seeing with North Dakota State because, like, while I will say, like, yes, it's the college football playoff, you, you know, because what is it? Is it 32 teams in FCS or is it 16? Or is it 24? 32? Uh, 
I don't remember. I think it's it's bigger it's, than it's four. There. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. bigger than sixteen. It's bigger than sixteen. I know that. Yeah. So, um. Like in a bigger tournament like that, it's not going to be like the NCAA tournament, like it, where you know, thing anything can happen. Like, you, the more the bigger, badder, more physical team will win that game. Like, there's no question about it. No one's sitting here calling for a you know 32 64 team playoff at the FBS level. But I think also we're seeing kind of in both in both situations in Alabama and with North Dakota state, that if you want to get noticed, if you want to get your name out there, if you want to get your brand out there, if you want to be, you know, the cream of the crop, if you, if you are the cream of the crop in football, you're going to go to North Dakota state or you're going to go to Alabama. You're not going to go to some of these other schools. So like, it's kind of, it's all, I'm saying the way that it's gone is it's all funneled into like one school. That's what our whole argument is on the college football playoff. That's why there's no parody because everything just funnels right into Alabama because of this run that they're on. So I guess I was just misinterpreting what your argument was. I thought you were saying if the FBS had an expanded playoff, like the FCS does, Alabama wouldn't have had this type of dominance. No, no, I'm not saying they wouldn't have. I'm saying that, like, I don't think that it necessarily means that a bigger playoff wouldn't work. Right. I mean, just like in the FCS, it doesn't mean it, you know, it's it's just, it's just more fun. They don't, the games are, the games throughout basically all of December are much more meaningful than they are in the FBS level which is, it makes, it makes it a lot more fun. I mean, look, we saw the eight seed upset the one seed. Um, I mean, there was, we were on track to potentially see North Dakota State versus South Dakota State. Uh, and Montana State broke that up by beating South Dakota State. So there was a lot of interesting storylines that you could see a lot of interesting storylines as well in an expanded FBS playoff. But still, what, I don't want to take anything away from North Dakota State. Nine championships in 11 years under three different head coaches. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, um, and that includes that includes uh, the quarterback that uh, we're going to talk about later, Carson Wentz. True. Yeah, let's go ahead and get back on track here because we kind of got off on a little bit of a tangent early on. Um, so we're getting into uh, first of all, we want to talk about the college football uh, championship game. Uh, last night uh, between Alabama and Georgia uh, started off a little bit of a, of, I want to say a snooze fest. It just both teams couldn't actually punch it into the end zone. It was nine to six Alabama hey, at halftime. Georgia did Georgia did, but it got overturned. True. Yes, they did uh, on a strip sack. Uh, Zamir white uh, touchdown run, put the dogs up 13 to nine after the third. And then the action started. In the last 10 minutes of the game, Bryce Young hits Cameron. <laughs> same. Uh, Cameron Latou, uh, you know, gets a pass from Bryce Young to make it 18 to 13. And then a couple of minutes later, Stetson Bennett hits a Donnie Mitchell for a 40 yard touchdown. Bennett then hits Brock Bowers later in the game, 333 left uh, to get a touchdown, 26 to 18 uh, is the score. Georgia on top. Uh, Bama trying to get the game tying touchdown. Uh, and then Kelly uh, Ringo intercepts a pass to go uh go get going back night uh set, uh came talk 79 yards for the pick six touchdown seals the 33 to 18 win for georgia dusty not very happy in the chat he wanted alabama to win uh stetson bennett 
uh, finishes the game 17 for 26, 224 yards and two touchdowns. Bryce Young went 35 for 57 for 369 yards, a touchdown and two picks. And real quick, we wanted to like, you know, mention it and react to it. Um, you know, Georgia, um, you know, we talked about it last week a little bit. I mean, Georgia's defense, we knew that they were going to have to step up in this in this round. Uh, I mean, uh, they didn't force any turnovers in the SEC championship game. They forced two interceptions, including the game ceiling interception. They did not sack Bryce Young once in the SEC championship game. They did sack him four times uh, last night. Um, and then they held Alabama to 30 yards rushing, uh, which that was the reason That's one of the, that was one of the keys to why, you know, they were just mowing down Cincinnati uh, because they were just running the ball, right. You know, just overpowering uh, the Bearcats in that semifinal game. So, um, you know, the defense for Georgia came to play. I, it was, it was nice to see the game become exciting because, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit last week as well in the sense that like when we've seen, you know, when we've seen these all SEC national championships, because this is the third that at least we can remember, um, you had, you know, first one, Alabama and LSU, that both games <laughs> that season were not good. Um, and then in terms of like the first one was nine to six LSU, then the second one was like 21 to nothing Alabama. Um, and then uh, two, uh, you know, four years ago, um, which with Alabama and Georgia, the sour taste in everyone's mouth, I think, was the fact that, um, Alabama probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. They didn't, they didn't even play for their conference championship this year. It felt a lot like these two teams were the best two teams. And so to see them finally, you know, square off again, get, get a chance for that rematch. Oh, uh, you know, we were, we, I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't want to see the rematch and I'm kind of glad that it turned out the way that it did. Um, and glad to see Georgia, you know, finally get that championship. They were knocking on the doorstep of it. Uh, you know, a few seasons ago, and they finally are able to take home the victory. Yeah, you know, congratulations to Georgia, all their fans. I know it's been a long time coming. Their first championship since 1980. That's a long time. I mean, that's even older than me. Um, which, yeah. Um, but not by much. Not by much. <laughs> Seven years. Seven years. <laughs> um, but hey, you know. Georgia performed exactly the way they needed to perform in this game. Defensively, they needed to take care of the ball. They they held Alabama in check on the rushing statistic, which is just unbelievable to me because last week we were talking about just how good Alabama has is at running back consistently, it seems like. Um, so for Georgia to come out and play like the way we know they can play, all, the way they played all season long, it's just a, a good ending to the season because look, honestly, I feel like Georgia was the best team this season. Um, they had that, they had one bad game in the SEC championship game, whereas Alabama, you know, they lost to AM, they had to battle back from behind against Auburn. You know, Alabama, I wouldn't, I mean, they looked, they were really good. They're the second best team in the country, hands down. But Georgia all season looked to be the best team. And so it was good to see the best team win again. And, you know, it, it was a game that kind of had everything for everybody. I mean, like I said, I, I turned it off. I fell asleep at halftime. Um, <laughs> not because I chose to. I had to take NyQuil, okay? Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it, so it, the first half, you, you had you think in one way and then to come out in the second half, and really get exciting. That's that's a that's a good thing for this for the game. One, 
But secondly, for it to be such a good game and to be one that people are talking about with Georgia coming out on top, it's a good thing for the city of Indianapolis as, as well. It was a game people are going to remember. And, you know, Indianapolis yet again put on another good show on a national stage for a major championship. So it's, it's a win-win situation. You know, you get, you get your best team winning the championship and Indianapolis putting on a good show. Yeah, and uh, you know, just a uh, you know a, mar- a a great run by uh, Georgia this season, and uh, you know it's 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 sad the college football season is over. I, I we're yeah. done talking for college about college football for. You have to say one thing though. The best thing I've seen all day, reaction wise or posts about the game last night, happened in the post game presser with Alabama. Um, Jamison Williams and Bryce Young both got done with their pressers, went to get up, and Nick Saban said, hold on, guys, before you go, he and he just gushed about these guys, uh, how much they mean to the program, and he was telling the media, don't define their legacies on this one game. They played their hearts out. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be have been in this position on and on and on. And it, it, that just goes to show you why players love going to play for Nick Saban so much. Yeah. And I think Alabama fans know that too, that if not for Nick Saban, they would not be having this kind of success right now. And uh, if you ask diehard Alabama fans, they are worried for the day when Nick Saban chooses to retire. Oh yeah, uh, well, and I mean Bryce Young should be back next year, isn't he? Dialed? Oh, he's only, yeah. a, I think he's only a sophomore, right? So Bryce Young will be back next year. So oh, Alabama will be, Alabama will be right back in the thick of things next year as well. So they do lose weapons at, offensively, but yeah. How? When do they not lose? <laughs> always. Weapons? And all I mean, of a sudden it's like last year. Second, there's there's uh Devonte Smith part four back yeah. there. I mean, what? Yeah. Yeah, Devo- they, they lose the Heisman Trophy winner and uh, Devonta Smith, and the they Heisman lose and Najee Harris. And then what do they do? They're playing for the national championship again. So I think and they'll they be still okay. Have, like, I think two guys that are projected to go in the first round as wide receivers, John Nietzsche and Jamison Williams. I mean, come on. Well, before we full of riches. <laughs> well, before we switch over uh, to the NFL, let's go ahead and hear from our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps on your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. And remember uh, that you can follow us at 3C Media Sports on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go follow or go subscribe to us on YouTube, 3C Media. Uh, if you missed our Madden draft last week, uh, our cover athlete draft, that is all over on the YouTube channel. So go check that out, 3C Media over there. Also on TikTok, 3C Media, some exclusive content over there. Um, and remember, you can watch us live every week. We've got a lot of people in the chat today. Um, Elle's in the chat. Megan's in the chat. They're both yelling at me because we were a little bit late. Sorry about that. We've got Nikki lurking. She's riding on a high right now as Joe Judge is out as the coach of the New York Giants. No more quarterback sneaks on third and nine. Uh, and then, of course, Dusty in here uh, drowning his sorrows from the uh, Alabama loss. So glad to have you guys all in here on the chat. Um, 
uh, twitch.tv slash Craig crash. You can watch us live and interact with us every single week. Uh, and then remember you can, uh, you can li- listen to us every week on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the crash course podcast. I can see B Scott is ready to go. He's ready to launch into the Colts conversation here. So real quick, before we get into, <laughs> before we get into our NFL, uh, uh, you know, playoff preview, a team that is not going to the NFL playoffs, even though it looked like they were going to make it to the NFL playoffs. They were, they, two they had to go two weeks ago. They had a 93% probability of making the playoffs. Yeah. They were going to be 10 and seven. They were going to be one win ahead of what, uh, you know, we had predicted, I think earlier this season, I think we both were like pretty much on the uh, nine and eight train, uh, which is what they ended up, but <laughs> they don't make the playoffs, uh, you know, just a wild, um, you know, into their season. They lose to the Jaguars. They were, I think, what, 16 point favorites. Uh, they lose 26. They lose uh, 26 to 11. Uh, Trevor Lawrence found Laquan Treadwell on the first drive of the game. Uh, Jaguars led 13 to three at halftime. Lawrence then found Marvin Jones for a touchdown to make it 23 to three. Uh, Michael Pittman scored a touchdown in garbage time. The Colts added a two point conversion, but it was far too little, far too late. Uh, stats from the game. Carson Wentz went 17 for 29 with 185 yards, a touchdown and a pick Jonathan Taylor, 15 carries for 77 yards. Trevor Lawrence went 23 for 32, uh, for 223 yards and two touchdowns. So, uh, my reaction here, I mean, so, you know, as I'm, you know, watching the game, I'm switching back and forth between watching I'm at work. So I'm switching back and forth between watching the game and seeing the reactions on the Twitterverse. And a lot of the Twitterverse is calling for the, uh, the, you know, it was calling for Carson Wentz. Yeah. Demolition Derby of the team. Get rid of Carson Wentz, get rid of Frank Reich, all that kind of stuff. And you know what? I, I can't, you can't, argue on some of it on some of the facts i mean a lot of the place a lot of the blame placed on wentz uh which you know was what which is where i'm at with it too december and january carson wentz completed 61 percent of his passes which was his lowest marks in september uh lowest four months in september he threw six touchdowns in december and january that's his lowest total since september he threw for 773 yards that was his lowest output since september remember the Colts started zero and three in september uh and in the last two games of the season Wentz completed 58% of his passes for two touchdowns and I believe a pick as well uh, in the last two games of the season. But, but Carson Wentz finished uh, top 10 in QBR. Only he and Aaron Rodgers well, had single digit INTs on the season uh, in the top 10. He only threw seven picks, uh, 27 touchdowns uh, this season ties him uh, for the second most uh, for his career. Uh, second only to his near MVP season where he threw 33. It's his fourth out of six season where he only threw seven picks. He stayed healthy, which was a major concern heading into the season. And most importantly, the Colts can opt out of his contract after next season. So well, they can opt out this year too. They have until March 6th. They can cut them, but they still are going to take a cap hit. I'm saying oh, yeah. they can. They can. I'm saying they could just wipe the slate clean oh, yeah, after this yeah, next yeah. season. Um, but uh, but yeah. So that's yeah. You know, in my opinion, for all intents and purposes, Carson Wentz will 
likely be the quarterback of the Colts next season. Um, there was a lot of blame also placed, you know, rightfully so to some extent on uh, Frank Reich. The Colts were three and six when Wentz passed for 30, uh, when he made 30 pass attempts or more six and two when Wentz attempted 30 or fewer passes, which I mean, the outlier there is that also includes the last two weeks against the Raiders and Jaguars. Those are those two losses where, where he didn't attempt 30 passes. Uh, Jonathan Taylor carries his carries and yardage. Uh, progressively went down over the last five weeks. His 15 carries for 77 yards were the lowest total since the last week of November versus Tampa. Uh, And if you don't have your run game ready to go against the 24th ranked run defense, then there's absolutely a problem. Um, And I don't think really many people would disagree with you on that one, but the, but for this one, uh, is that Reich and Ballard are under contract through 2026. They just signed an extension earlier last year. So, as a Colts fan, you you take the you know take you know zoom out, you you take away the microscope and kind of take a few deep breaths after the gut wrenching, heart wrenching loss, because you have people that are dogging the roster on Twitter and then turning around and being like, you know what they should do? Get Seattle on the horn. No, that's not what's going to happen. I mean, it might they may they may get on the horn of Seattle. Doesn't mean anything is going to happen. Realistic outlook for the Colts fan for a Colts fan next year. Uh, is that Reich and Wentz get one more shot. Uh, I look for moves on the rest of the coaching staff, maybe a change in offensive coordinator. I think one of the biggest glaring, uh, the biggest glaring defense difference from last year to this year is Nick Sirianni, who's now with the Eagles. Um, I think that plays a a little bit of a factor uh, into. Did you know that the primary play caller on offense is Frank Reich? That's what, but that's what I'm saying is I think that there's probably going to be some internal discussions, you know, instead of having Matthew Brady as a placeholder kind of offensive coordinator going out and being like, Hey, Frank, like we, you can have some sort of influence. Like we can meet halfway where you like kind of maybe script what you want to call and then let an offensive coordinator kind of take it from there. Cause I, I mean, Sirianni had the reins, right? I mean, when he was the, Offensive, he didn't. Okay, well then, I mean, uh, well, I mean, he had to have because how would he have? How would he if, if he was a if he was just the puppet for Frank Reich? I doubt he gets a head coaching position. Yeah, he may have had the play calling. I think because Joe Brady, they didn't trust. He doesn't have as much experience. So Frank Reich right. said, "I'm going to do the play calling. You just basically help game plan." Right. So and I that think may have been the case. So I think that they, you know, look for some changes. Look. I'm going to call my shot right now. I would love for Brian Flores to strike out at every head coaching interview that he has so he can come be the defensive coordinator <laughs> if, if, he, if something were to happen with Eberflus. Um, now, I, I but my shot that I'm calling is I think Brian Flores will be the next coach of the Minnesota Vikings, so uh, watch out for that one. Um, I think that would – I who think that, that – That would seem like a Vikings move, but who knows since they, they uh, got rid well, of everybody. Well, but see, the the thing, yeah, but the thing that I'm thinking of with the Vikings is I think that, you know, that's a team known for a solid defense. I think he makes, comes in to make defense better. And hopefully, I mean, look what he did with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Look what he did with Tua. I mean, maybe he can get the same kind of production out of Kirk Cousins and have them back in in a decent position. But, But one thing um, also is that the Colts need to add more talent and depth at the wide receiver tight end position. And the thing, I don't know how common this is 
um, outside of the Colts. I just know that it, this is what the Colts sat line looks like. Michael Pittman had a, over a thousand yards, seven, which was 700 more than Zach Pascal, who was second. Jonathan Taylor was third. So you're, you're running back who not only had 1800 yards on the season was your third leading receiver. And then, you know, you had Zach Pascal with 300, you know, 300 receiving yards and then Michael Pittman with over a thousand. I would imagine better teams have that more distributed, more talented wide receiving cores have those numbers a little bit more distributed. So the fact that that was the case is not great. So I look for changes like that. I want to see things like that happen. Um, and I think that's what the more realistic outlook for the Colts this off season. So, yeah, I agree. I agree 100% with the stuff you're saying. So first off, Colts fans are all calling for Frank Reich and Chris Ballard and Carson Wentz to uh, pack their bags and get out. I ask you this one question. Okay, I don't know much about front offices, who's the hot up-and-coming next young GM, but who would you replace Chris Ballard with That that's out there? I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know. So I can't really speak on that one. Head coach, you get rid of Frank Reich. Who are you replacing him with? Realistically, who you're repra- who are you replacing him with? It's that not you gonna know be, is going to be better. That like not that just you know is going to be better. Not, not just something you just want because right. you could. I mean, you could put together a Christmas list all you want. That doesn't mean Santa Claus <laughs> is going to bring you everything. <laughs> just, just just because IU puts Brad Stevens on their head coaching every list year. every year doesn't mean doesn't mean that Brad Stevens is going to. I mean, <laughs> hell, the last time Brad Stevens was in a college arena was just a few weeks ago, and guess what? It was at Purdue. So <laughs> IU fans, sorry, but who it's it, not going to be Jim Harbaugh. I know he's looking to get back in the NFL, but guess what? Jim Harbaugh doesn't fit the culture that Jim Ursay wants that Tony Dungy built. It, he just doesn't. If there's a guy that could potentially be available, that's out there that could potentially be out there. If I had to think of a name that he's not available yet, that could be it's John Harbaugh, but is that really better? Reich is an offensive mind. You kind of want another offensive mind to, you know, work with your MVP candidate running back and help you build a better offense. We'll see. Um, so who's out there? I would love to know. If you're in the chat and you have an idea, let us know. Same thing at quarterback. Realistically, who do the Colts go after if they cut Carson Wentz? Russell Wilson's not an option, folks. He's not coming to Indianapolis. The Colts can't afford him. They can't. Aaron Rodgers, sorry, he's not coming here either. He's going to go somewhere in a bigger market. And at my guess, if he ends up anywhere, it's going to be Pittsburgh. Um, it's just, it's kind of like Jake Query said this morning on uh, Query and Kevin. Uh, Everybody started in the NBA after LeBron James's rookie contract was coming expiring. They all started uh, dumping salary so they could have cap room. And they all thought they were smart. Like, hey, look, we're, we're shaving off our salary. We're cutting people. We're making room. We're going to land LeBron James. Everybody had the same idea. There's only one LeBron James. Same th- situation. Everybody's getting set up to try to – everybody needs a quarterback to get set up to go after Aaron Rodgers. It's just not going to happen. So who – who are you going to replace them with? Oh, and by the way, you don't have a first-round pick. So who's in the draft that's going to land you in the second round that is going to be the next franchise quarterback? I mean, unless you're ready to trust Sam Ellinger, which not a bad option, but seriously. So when you look at the season as a whole, you got to look at it this way. 
Carson Wentz played pretty well. He played pretty well. He did what you want him to do as far as he stayed healthy. He made plays when you needed him to make plays, not all the time. He wasn't always that reliable. But the thing is, where his issues rose were in accuracy. He wasn't very accurate. And then the thing about that is, even with amongst his inaccuracies, he wasn't turning the ball over. Only seven interceptions on the year. That, that's a really good stat. I mean, come on, 23 touchdowns to seven interceptions. That's a really good ratio there. You can't ask for much more. You can't ask for that. I mean, it, it's going to happen. Now, one thing you can do is ask him to stop with the shovel passes. Trying to force <laughs> a play too much is where most of his turnovers came. Was when he was trying to force it, and he was on his way getting sacked, and he instead of throwing it out of bounds, he would shovel it into the back of Quentin Nelson or something. Like, yeah, what good is that going to do? So, you know, there's some things that, you know, obviously, but that's with Carson Wentz, you get the good with the bad. You know, Carson Wentz can make some unbelievable plays, but at the same time, some of his decision-making isn't always the best. Folks, he's not Peyton Manning. We were all spoiled for so many years of Peyton Manning. We were spoiled with the way Andrew Luck played. Guess what? There's there's not another Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck out there. We this is who we have. And you cut him, you're on a, you're on the cap, dead space for 15 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you free up another 13 million if you cut him, but you're still on on for 15 million in dead cap space. That's just that's not how this regime works. They're, they're not, they're not going to work with dead cap space. So Carson Wentz is coming back. You're not getting anything of trade value from him. Sorry. Everybody's seen the way he's been playing played this year. But I'm not putting it all on him. I'm not. I, I, I can't. Especially considering. About the wide receivers. I mean, even if you don't look at the stats, you can know that for a fact that outside of Michael Pittman, wide receivers – just underperformed. I mean, get rid of the whole bunch. Zach Pathel got his contract and said, that's it. I'm good. Uh, Ashton Doolin, come on. The guy got his first two career touchdowns this year. He's a practice squad type player. T.Y. Hilton is most likely going to retire. Tight end, I know everybody's saying, well, the tight ends are all set. You even know Jack Doyle is going to probably retire as well. We got Mo Alley Cox and Kyle Granson. I'm not ready to move on to Mo Alley Cox either. I think he's a hit or miss guy. You know, one game he's a superstar, and the next four he's totally invisible. Jury's still out for me on Kyle Granson. He, he was a rookie, third stringer. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still think he could turn into something, but I'm not 100% sold on the tight end room. Offensive line outside of Quentin Nelson, it's and maybe Braden Smith. Braden Smith got beat pretty badly on a couple of plays this past weekend, but you know, he's had hit or misses. The entire offensive line outside of Quentin Nelson is just not good. I don't care what you oh, but Ryan Kelly's a pro bowler. Uh okay. But I think at the same time though, if you're gonna keep them, you 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 keep them. That's not a that's not a bad player to have go ahead give Quentin I think right now let's give Quentin Nelson his his contract extension give him his big contract and then look to see what else we need because that wide receiver room needs to be blown up we need quality depth well one we're, we need a whole new starting left tackle because Eric Fisher that experiment failed uh, we need quality depth on the entire offensive line when we're having to roll out has-beens or team cast-offs from non-playoff teams as well uh julian davenport and samuel tebby that, that's at, a, at a, such an important position as left tackle 
that's not going to cut it. I mean, when you're relying on those guys to be your quarterback's blind side protector, no, nope, not going to cut it. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I, I can't put a ton of blame on Carson Wentz because even if you look at this Jacksonville game, he took six sacks, six that, that's unacceptable for the way this offensive line is supposed to be viewed. I don't know what happened. I mean, obviously, Anthony Costanzo was a Hall of Fame type left tackle that we just underappreciated. Um, so offensively, wide receiver, tight end, I would say the priorities are wide receiver for sure. I don't care. You, you, it doesn't matter. You can't be picky. And your first pick of the second round, you are taking the best available wide receiver. I don't care if he's a speedster like T.Y. Hilton who can stretch the field. No, honestly, what you need right now is you need a guy with reliable hands that can run routes. Because outside of Michael Pittman, none of your wide receivers are reliable. Because even if Carson Wentz put it right on the money for them, they would drop it. Or they wouldn't run through their routes. It was just a lot of lazy playing, it looked like, at wide receiver. Guys just wouldn't get open. And guess what? Michael Pittman's not going to be open every play either because the defense has got wise. They knew, hey, look, the only person that's willing to play out here is number 11. So let's double him. And the other guys, you know, can't get open. They're not good enough to get open. So it's time to start stop trying to build a weaponry out of undrafted practice squad players and players that are ready to retire bring in some legitimate talent to flank Michael Pittman. Um, and, and then the second priority, offensive line. You need a left tackle. I don't care. Maybe you don't go wide receiver in the second round. You go left <laughs> tackle. Whatever's best available between those two positions, you go for at that, that point. I don't want you to take a reach on a wide receiver. The best available wide receiver, it's got a third round grade. You don't need to do that, obviously. But that's how you go on the offense. Defense. There's three reliable players there. I'll, I'll say potentially four. So I'm, the verdict's still out on one of them. But defensive line, DeForest Buckner. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a leader. He had his ups and downs. But when you, when you are getting the attention of everybody, it's, you're, you're not always going to perform to the highest. It's kind of like I look at Purdue. Like we got George Karloftis, had George Karloftis. I had to put up very impressive numbers. Well, he was getting double and triple teamed every time because everybody was keying on him. Same thing with DeForest Buckner. So second player, the one that the verdict's still out on a little bit for me is Quiddy Pay. I think he had a decent season for a rookie. Well, what um, about the guy that they got like with the second pick? I can't remember what his last name. The guy out of Vandy? Yeah. Odengbo, yeah. O- o- yeah. Odengbo. He came back. Uh, remember, he came off of a, a pretty bad. It was either an Achilles. Yeah, it was Achilles. Injury, well, I'm, Achilles. I'm, what I what I'm saying is, we'll, we'll have him too oh, next yeah, year. Hopefully, yeah. Too. So uh, you know, he played sparingly just because you know rehab and everything on that type of injury. So, but I'm looking at the guys that you can truly build around. I'm I I don't I'm not going to go into. I'm looking at the guys that started truly. So DeForest Buckner. Quiddy Pay, verdict's still out on him, you know, because he's only a rookie. I think he performed much better than the other defensive ends we've drafted in recent years. So, mm-hmm. that, you know, you got to go on that. Uh, Darius Leonard, obviously, that, that that's a no-brainer. And Kenny, Kenny Moore. I think safety-wise, the Colts are, are better than people think. The injury bug really hit them, so trying to figure out some depth there. Obviously, I mean, when you're playing your third and fourth string safeties, 
uh, you know, with Blackman going out, with Blackman being back and Cardi Willis, I think they're fine there. Quarterback is a major, major area of need. Outside of Kenny Moore, it, it's tough. I mean, I know Rocky Yassin played much better this year, but one has to wonder, is that because it was a contract year for him? And, you know, he's uh, trying to play up to that potential. So you got to wonder there, but I don't know. Kenny Moore, outside of him, that the corners need an overhaul. Linebacker, Bobby Okereke played played really well, in my opinion. Um, still, I'm going to go back to one player. I, I said in the preseason, Colts fans, we're going to miss him. Guess what we did? Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker. Walker. <laughs> we could yeah. have really used an Anthony Walker type player. Not that Zaire Franklin did perform well. He, you know, he played okay. He was he was good. He was solid. But his field IQ is nowhere near what Anthony Walker's was. And having a player like having a player like Anthony Walker out there would allow Darius Leonard to do more of what he does best, which is roam the field and make plays. You know, Anthony Walker was a really good run stopper. Darius Leonard is just an all-around good player. So when you're trying to get Darius Leonard to do all of that, you know, he played amazingly. Unfortunately, because the NFL is so in love with the, with sacks, you know, unfortunately, T.J. Watt's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year when, honestly, it should be Darius Leonard with the amount of turnovers that he had a hand on, whether it was interceptions or leading the NFL in forced fumbles. I mean – Come on, the guy, he's a main, they call him the maniac for a reason. But that's just a handful of guys that you can really build this team around. So I get where people are frustrated with Chris Ballard and the, the front office because, you know, he keeps saying, trust the process while he's sitting on piles of cash. And we're going to build it from the, through the draft and from within. And you only see like, three players that three or a few play a handful of players that you've drafted that are turning into anything, you know, and it's just like, okay, you can only trust the process for so long. Like what, 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 what are you going to finally, what is it going like, to, at some to point you got to take at a big, point, a big move. Yeah. At some point you can't say, got to trust it because guess what? I guarantee you this probably came up in the thought process or in the, that demanding meeting that Jim Irsay had the other night with Reich and Ballard that they have the best running back in the league right now. Next to probably Derrick Henry, a healthy Derrick Henry. They got the best running back in the entire league and the shelf life of a running back that plays as much and as hard as Jonathan Taylor is not a very big shelf life. So if we want to capitalize on having a generational talent like Jonathan Taylor, then some big changes need to be made and we need to go for it now rather than Trust the process. We'll get there in the next four, four or five years. As long as you just trust the process, we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll spend our money wisely and build from the draft, build from within. And uh, no, it's time to open up the pocketbook and go get the players to put around Carson Wentz, to put around the rest of his team, to fill the holes nicely. So that way this team does not waste another talent away like they did with Andrew Luck I'm sorry they wasted Andrew Luck away but you can't if you, you if you're gonna ride on the back of a generational talent like Jonathan Taylor you need to be in a win now mode. it doesn't yeah. matter it doesn't matter because guess what once he's gone he's gone and good luck it, it, so 
big changes have to be made, but I'm not saying blow the whole damn thing up because that that's not the answer either. That's the answer for the Pacers, not for the Colts. Yeah. Like I said, if you want to get rid of Ballard, who are you going to replace him with? You want to get rid of Reich? Same question. Same thing with Wentz. It, it's, it's not, a, it's easy to say, get rid of them. And yes, whoever you bring in can be better. But you got to realize in the NFL, the teams that are always picking near the top 10 are the teams that are constantly getting rid of coaches and hiring the retread coaches. They all just kind of circle the wagons with each other, hiring the same guys. I mean, look, like I said, I told you all there, look, Jim Caldwell is getting called for interviews for these, some of these job openings. Haven't we learned by now that Jim Caldwell is not going to take one of these bottom teams and lead them to the promised land? It's not going to happen. So why is he still getting these opportunities? Yeah. And if that's the way the Colts, if Colts fans want to go down that road and be replacing a coach every few years, all right, go, let's go down that road. But guess what? It doesn't, it, it doesn't end well. It, it is not a road you want to go down. Not at all. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do in this off season. You know, they, they have to attack a lot of things, um, you know, and we'll see, uh, you know, like, like, like some of the stuff you touched on depth on the offensive line, more wide receiver targets and, and we'll see. And hopefully, I mean, that was another thing I was going to say too, is that, you know, you wonder, you know, I, I love Jim Ursay, but you wonder how much of it is also ownership in the sense that like, you know, Ursay thinks we're like right on the doorstep of winning a Super Bowl and we're very far from it, uh, you know, where, where things stand right now. So um, hopefully, you know, once we can zoom out a little bit from this season, hopefully, you know, we, you know, the Colts can start making some decisions. And even if they have to go into do something they're not used to doing, which is, you know, spend a little bit in free agency, try to get, you know, a wide receiver, try to, get, um, you know, patch up the offensive line. Cause that's the thing. The offensive line regressed this season uh, quite a bit from what we're used to seeing. So, um, you know, which, you know, was and, just. And- I'll tell you one player, if you want to keep him around, by all means, that this is the depth, one depth piece on the offensive line I want to keep. Danny Pinter. Yes. Yes, the keep Danny. man, the, the do-it-all offensive uh, lineman. I, I mean, hats off to the Cardinal, Danny Pinter. Yes. Uh, I also want to say that uh, uh, we also need to keep uh, Isaac Crochelle uh, out of uh, he went to Notre Dame. He was with the Chargers. The Colts picked him up this past season uh, because I follow him on TikTok and he's pretty hilarious. So uh, we want to keep him as well. Um, but uh, moving on now, let's go ahead and talk about the teams that are going to the playoffs um, as we switch gears into our, uh, you know, our playoff preview here uh first of all i thought it'd be fun we don't we haven't done this in the past normally what we do is you know we make our preseason picks and then those are just our preseason picks they live on they're in their own little cupboard and we never revisit them uh and so this year i was like hey you know what fifth season of the podcast maybe we should start revisiting some of our preseason picks um so looking back at what we did in the preseason let's first go over the ones that we across the board uh, got correct. Uh, we got the uh, Bills in the AFC East, who won the AFC East. Uh, we got the Titans winning the AFC South. We got the Chiefs winning the AFC West. We got the Packers winning the NFC North. We've got the Buccaneers winning the NFC South. So claps for us. We got, uh, what, five of the eight uh, divisions uh, correctly. Not bad. Not the, bad. the ones that we missed on, now we both missed on the AFC North. We both we both picked the Browns, uh, and it was the Bengals. Everybody I don't, picked the Browns, though. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, there were – 
obviously, like, I think that, you know, there were a lot of people picking the Browns. There were some people picking the Ravens and the Steelers, but nobody thought the, the Bengals were going to go from what the fifth pick to uh, being the uh, fourth seed, the AFC North champions. So that's hey, pretty incredible. Did you, did you know that nobody has ever texted about a Cincinnati Bengals playoff victory? The last time the Cincinnati Bengals won a playoff game, I believe it was like 1991. And texting wasn't invented until 1992. That's actually incredible. <laughs> That's insane. Um, yeah. Um, we also, um, uh, so B. Scott got the Cowboys correct. I thought I'd go out on a limb and pick the Washington football team. That was a terrible pick uh, by me. And then uh, B. Scott and I uh, were split on the Rams and Cardinals. The Rams got the win there. So I think in what individually we both each got six of eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, that's, that's a passing grade. That is a passing grade. So uh, first to take a look back at those, which division, uh, you know, to ask a couple of questions, which division uh, prediction do you take the most pride in? Uh, for me, I take a lot of pride in that Bills pick. Um, you know, there's a couple other ones that you could go on. Um, you know, none of the real other ones that I picked correctly. I really, you know, a lot of people were picking the Rams, Buccaneers and Packers were easy. Obviously got the the Washington football team one wrong. Um, you know, the Chiefs were an easy pick. The Titans, I didn't, I mean, I don't think really a lot of people thought the Colts were going to win uh, the AFC South. And of course we got the, uh, the AFC North wrong. So I think, you know, the bills going into the season, new England added a lot of talent to their roster that uh, they, uh, even though the bills were a popular pick, uh, but given what we last saw from the bills, which was uh, getting blown out by Kansas city in the AFC championship game, you know, as you saw with my Washington pick, I have a propensity to go for like the sexy, like kind of like, Oh, weird like out of outside of the box pick and I could have picked the Patriots there, but instead I stuck to my gut. I kept with the bills and it paid off for me. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm going to go with the NFC East pick because that's just the division that for so long, it just felt like nobody wanted to win it. And I I said, the Cowboys are just going to kind of have to win it by default because nobody else wants to win it. And you know, I, I don't know, it was just kind of one of those toss-ups for me. Um, so I'm, I'm proud of that one because that one could have gone a lot of different directions, to be honest. Well, and I mean, and it's the same reason why, uh, you know, the Washington football team end up being my prediction that I want back is because, you know, going into this season, I think the the problem with the NFC East is that, like, you saw some teams. Now we saw the Giants make a lot of. They made a lot of moves in the offseason. You thought they were potentially going to be a contender, and you saw. I mean, they added oh, Kenny yeah. Galladay. They added. Oh, yeah. I agree. They added, That's why I'm yeah. laughing. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I thought you were like, oh no, I did. I was like, oh, I thought they were oh. going to at least contend for a playoff spot. Um, and it's. Um, you know, and, and you had Washington bringing in, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, they had that great defense. So you thought like, I mean, between, Hey, I mean, if Alex Smith can get Washington to the playoffs, they were kind of a revolving door of quarterbacks last season and still won the NFC East because the Cowboys have been habitually playing down to the rest of the, I mean, they, there's no reason why the Cowboys shouldn't have won however many NFC East in a row with how much talent they have and how much, you know, how much the gap between them and the rest of the NFC East is, but somehow they, every year they keep underachieving while the rest of the, you know, NFC East achieves just enough to uh, supersede them. So, um, you know, 
they was the Cowboys this season actually finally played to their potential and look what happens. So yeah, Washington, they're the, the division prediction. I went back. Uh, they are another team whose uh, leading receiver had a thousand yards and the second was in the three hundreds. So the Colts receiving core is like the Washington receiving yeah, core. I'm going to say their leading receiver, Terry McLaurin. Yep. That's who it was. And then I think second was like, I don't even remember. Uh, there's they uh, they went the Washington football team went from being the second best defense in terms of yards, the fourth in, uh, in terms of points per game, um, the twenty second in terms of yards per game, and the twenty fifth in terms of points per game. So they went from being second in terms of yards to twenty second, fourth in terms of points per game to twenty fifth. Um, so defense really took a step back, and I think you know obviously I put too much faith in the defense and Ron Rivera, but I'm interested to see how they attack the 2022 off season with the rebrand coming. I see, I mean, I don't know if it'll work out or not, but I do sense a kind of 2011 Miami Marlins, you know, esque type, you know, not maybe to that extreme where they just go and you're Hey, are they an all-star get them? But I think that we might see them be a little bit more aggressive, try to get the, get a few high profile free agents because, hey, first year of the rebrand, we want people buying jerseys. We want fans in the stands so they can fall into the tunnel, uh, you know, like we saw uh, them against the Eagles. So, I mean, uh, you know, they're going to want to, you know, pack FedEx Field next season, I think, you know, with that new rebrand. So um, I'll be interested to see uh, how they attack the offseason. Yeah, it'll be interesting. What was your uh, uh, disappointing uh, you know, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I mean, talk about a team that went out. You're an all-star. You're a pro bowler. Come on in. We got a, <laughs> got a spot for you. Money doesn't matter. We're just going to kind of throw it around, but bring everybody in. And then they flopped and they flopped hard. Now, granted, I don't think anybody expected the Bengals to be this far ahead of schedule, but um, huh, it's kind of interesting when you add your quarterback's favorite wide receiver from college, who's just as good, huh, instant chemistry. See how funny that is? <laughs> yeah. But who is Carson I, Wentz leading receiver at North Dakota State? Bring him in now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They probably just ran the ball. Uh, <laughs> probably had some big 300 pound white boy that just ran the ball right <laughs> over people instead of taking the easy touchdown he decided to hit the hit stick <laughs> yes um yeah i would definitely want the browns pick back because you know the Bengals played really really well this year and i kind of feel silly especially considering if another team that made the playoffs from that division was the pittsburgh steelers so, I mean, the Browns fell flat on their face. Oh, oh yeah. That one back. I, I don't blame you there. Um, AFC, uh, wow. So, our AFC wildcard predictions uh, I had the Ravens, Colts, and Patriots. Uh, B Scott had the Steelers, Colts, and Patriots. So, you had two. You had you were a bit more on track than I was. Um, not, not much of a surprise there. Uh, actual wildcard teams are the Raiders, Patriots, and Steelers. Uh, NFC uh, side of things, uh, you and I just flip-flopped on Cardinals and Rams. Whoever we didn't have winning the division, uh, we had um, making the playoffs anyway. We both, we each had an NFC uh, East team or NFC West team, uh, the Seahawks, uh, you know, also going. Um, and then you, we had, uh, I had the Cowboys and you had the Bears. Um, the actual um, 
NFC wildcard teams were the Cardinals, 49ers, and Eagles. And, um, you know, I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, uh, but the biggest surprise team in the postseason, um, you know, you know, kind of throwing that question out there. Um, and there's a lot to choose from. I mean, you've got the Eagles who, um, you know, made the playoffs, you know, kind of out of nowhere. They, they put it together. You have the Bengals, who we talked about. But I'm going to go with the Raiders. They're the first team since 1961, uh, the fourth in NFL history, to make the playoffs after a midseason coaching change. We all know about that. We don't need to, you know, get into that anymore. Uh, we all, you know, are, you know of the Henry Ruggs situation. Um, you know, a lot of terrible things, a lot of distractions this uh, this season for the Raiders. Um, they were set, uh, six and seven after a 41 to 14 blowout loss to the Chiefs. And then they won four straight to end the season. But not only did they win four straight to end the season, they were all by four points or less. So they won close games. It's not like they, you know, caught fire and had these insane, you know, fluky, you know, tw- 35 to nothing wins. Um, but they, you know, won a lot of close games, which I think bodes, you know, interestingly enough, you'd be like, oh, why wouldn't you want to blow all these teams out? Well, because in the playoffs, it's a little bit different. You're not going to be, there's not too many potential blowouts that happen in, in the NFL playoffs. So the fact that you can win close games, win in the face of adversity, I feel like that sets you up pretty well for the postseason. So uh, very, very uh, intrigued to see the Raiders in the postseason. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see the Eagles. To be honest, this is a team that was a dumpster fire last year. And for them to make the run that they did under first-year head coach Nick Sirianni and essentially under a first-year quarterback in Jalen Hurts, they played really well. I mean, the addition of Devontae Smith, you, you can't, you know – overlook that I mean setting the Eagles re, uh, receiving yard record for a rookie uh by one yard <laughs> I think hey, it was a record's a record a record's a record that's all that matters <laughs> in the end but I mean he played he, he played really really well and that was a game changer for this team and Nick Sirianni kind of brought everything together so I'm really interested to watch them play I think this is a team that are they going to win in the first round? You know, probably not. But tough task. You got to go on the road against Tampa, so that's yeah, going to be tough. Be a, tall, a tall task, but this is a team to definitely keep your eye on for the future, especially for like how many first round picks does this team have? It seems like three, five, a three. Yeah, see? close. But first team since uh, Minnesota in 2013 to have. Uh, I think that's what the the stat showed the other day. So the first team I, since vikings in 2013 two of their first two picks are back to back 15 and 16 and that's set in stone and those aren't even their picks those are picks that belong to somebody else that they swindled (laughs) um um, so yeah i'm interested to see this team um moving forward really this i think the pieces are going to start falling into place for the philadelphia eagles again quick question here I'm looking at the bracket for for this. Does the way this bracket set up is so weird? Do they reseed? Or do they, they don't. They don't. They don't reseed. But what happens is is that so the lowest seed that wins will play the one seed that has the buy. So like for instance, okay. if you know, let's say the Patriots beat the Bills and the St- Chiefs beat the Steelers, then that means that. 
the Patriots would go to Tennessee in the divisional round because they're the sixth seed and the Steelers were the seventh seed um, yeah. and they're eliminated. So it, it doesn't reseed. It's just in the, in the divisional round, the, the highest seed plays the lowest seed and the low yeah. and the two middle seeds play. So I always, always get so confusing. So oh yeah. Like, why yeah. don't you just set it up that way in your bracket? Yeah. Like, you just like no matter what the winner of this game, like the the four or five game is going to have to play. I think reseeding and, and and playoffs is a great idea. I I think it would be it would be interesting. Like that was you know we were <laughs> the reason why we were late is because we were talking about the college football playoffs. So our college football discussion wasn't even before we started the podcast, and that's what I was going to say to you. My, I think my official proposal for the how to fix the college football playoff is you go back to the old BCS games. So you still, you go back to, you know, none of them are, are in the playoff. None of those are playoff games. So you have the big 10 champ and PAC 12 champ in the Rose bowl. You've got the big 12 and sec champs in the sugar bowl. You've got the ACC and the orange bowl, ACC champs. You see pit over there. Um, and then after like, those are all four playing games. And then the winner of those four games, they go to the, they go to the college football playoff. You see them based on that's when you seed them. And then you just have the college football playoff from there. And I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll extend an extra week because, you know, instead of ha- you'll still have them all on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day or whatever. But, you know, so you keep that tradition. Um, but that's I, so I think reseeding in, in the postseason would be a good idea. Um, you know, it, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, it would be even more fun in the NFL. What? Go the route of the WWE. <laughs> And what do they do? Get rid of conferences altogether. You got 16 teams that make the playoffs. You see them one through 16. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly a podcast idea for a future episode is is should should we or should we not get rid of divisions in sports? Because divisions in sports or conferences or whatever you want to say, because the way it was originally designed was because back when these leagues started, you didn't fly everywhere. You're going on buses and trains and it was, and it was a lot easier to just go play. If you're Indiana, the Indiana Pacers, it's a lot easier to just go play Cleveland than it would be to go out to LA and play the Lakers. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's easier to just you know, go to the surrounding areas than it is to just keep making cross-country trips. And See, now I, I still think the WNBA has it, though. It's just they have conferences. To, they, they just don't. Conferences and divisions. It just when it comes down to the playoffs. Right. It just doesn't matter like it does in the six, NBA. If you are a top one of the top teams that's playoff, like if you fall into the playoff bracket. Yeah. You're in the playoffs and that's how it, it, it's seated that way. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. Uh, real quick, bet- before we get into our playoff predictions, we want to also revisit our Super Bowl picks. Um, my pick uh, for the Super Bowl uh, was the Bills over the Rams. B. Scott's was the Cardinals over the Titans. Uh, and so before we get into our predictions here, what are our confidence levels on our Super Bowl picks? Mine is 50%, and you'll see why when we get into the, the um, when we get into the the weeds here, because I think I, in my opinion, you know, what makes it really tough is that the AFC uh, is, is really anybody's, anybody's game. In my opinion, Um, I can, I can see anybody 
heck, I could even make a case for the Pittsburgh Steelers to just because, I mean, we saw what they did in 20 or uh, 2005. We saw what they did in 2005 when they had, you know, the, the retirement tour for Jerome Bettis and, and went in as a wild card team and, and did all that kind of thing. So who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm about 50%. I could go either way. I'm not ready to abandon it yet, but I'm not super confident either. Uh, I'm probably about 30% because of the injuries <laughs> that have piled up for my Super Bowl champ, Arizona Cardinals. And even, and, I mean, for the Titans too. And the Titans too. I have, yeah, considering, yeah, I don't think that's, I don't think either one <laughs> of my teams is going to make it to the, honestly. I, the only reason why I think the Titans are the one seed is because Kansas City screwed jacked around early on in the season and then turned it on until ha- at halfway through. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Yeah, so, the point of the season was like, is Kansas City even gonna make the playoffs? And all of a sudden, it was like, oh wait, here, here they are. They, they just, they're just late to the party. Right. So let's go ahead and get now into our playoff predictions. Uh, what we'll do is, uh, I'll go through my wild card weekend, and then B Scott will go through his. We'll keep alternating through um, our playoff um, until we get into the Super Bowl. So, um, for me, wild card weekend, AFC. Uh, you've got the two-seeded Chiefs against the seven-seeded Steelers, the three-seeded uh, Bills against the six-seeded Patriots, and the fourth-seeded Bengals against the fifth-seeded Raiders. For me, wild card weekend, I'm going Chiefs over Steelers. Um, I mean, if these teams played not too long ago and Chiefs just absolutely steamrolled uh, Pittsburgh, and it's not one of those things where, like, oh, Pittsburgh was a better team and just got you know, steamrolled. It's not like when the Browns beat the Bengals like 30 to nothing out of nowhere earlier this season. I think it's just, I think the chiefs are a better team. It's in Kansas city. If, if, and we saw what the Steelers did last year, uh, you know, in the postseason. So I just don't think, uh, I I think this is going to be Ben Roethlisberger's last game. I don't see them really doing anything in the postseason. The bills, I think, that first game uh, that the Patriots won in Buffalo, fourteen to ten, I don't think that was really indicative of what this game is going to be. Uh, the Bills, I think, are a lot better than that team that lost the, to the Patriots, and the Patriots were in a really good streak of the season. Um, I think the thirty-three to twenty-one win by the Bills is a little bit more indicative of what we're going to see. Um, so I've got the Bills over the Patriots, and then I've got the Raiders over the Bengals. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game in thirty years. Like I said before, I, I really like the fact that the Raiders are getting not only getting hot right now uh but also um you know winning a lot of close games which is what you need to do in the postseason uh and then in the nfc uh i've got the uh buccaneer you well first of all sorry i'll give you the uh the schedule first uh you've got the two-seated buccaneers against the seven-seated eagles the three-seated cowboys against the six-seated 49ers and the fourth-seeded Rams against the fifth-seeded Cardinals. So I've got the Buccaneers over the Eagles. Not a lot to go into there. I mean, I don't think Tom Brady loses in the first round, uh, especially not to uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. You've got, uh, you know, I waff the, the the game I waffled on the most was Cowboys and 49ers. I really badly wanted to pick the Niners here. Uh, but Dallas is 3-1 and one at home in the postseason since 2009. So they're good about making it through the first round, just not the second round, uh, which, uh, hey, we're incrementally getting better. Better. For a while, they couldn't get out of the first round. Um, and then I got to, you know, battle of our Super Bowl picks, Rams and Cardinals. I got to stick with the Rams. So I, I, I got the Rams advancing uh, over the Cardinals and in the divisional round. So for me, I have the Chiefs over the Steelers. I just, the, the Chiefs, until they prove me wrong, they're 
They're just, they're good. You know, I am going to go with the Bills over the Patriots. I feel like the Bills are, are starting to click. Um, early in the season, they just kind of, I don't know, they didn't seem like themselves, much like the Chiefs. The Patriots started off hot, and I think they're starting to cool off. And I think that really kind of started with the loss in Indianapolis, to be honest. That really kind of took the wind out of their sails. And then I, too, am going to go with the Raiders over the Bengals, mostly because the running game for the Raiders is solid. If you need to, if you got a lead and you just need to keep pounding away and run clock, Josh Jacobs is a really good option for that. So I feel like I, I feel pretty good about the Raiders winning it. However, the biggest kink that's going to be thrown into the armor for some of these potential games, depending on when the Kansas City and Pittsburgh game and the Cincinnati and Oakland games are played, there could be potential snowstorms happening if these games are being played on. Saturday or early Sunday in different places. Um, I don't think that really affects the Chiefs and the Steelers too much because both of those teams know how to play in bad weather. But the Bengals and the Raiders, that game could get interesting because the Raiders play in the desert and inside, but the Bengals at the same time have a lot of players from SEC country. So True. that could be interesting. But I got I have the Raiders advancing just they have a little bit more experience, and they, they seem to be playing with, at a, with a pretty good chip on the show. I think out, out of all the games in the AFC, that one, Wild Card Weekend, that one's going to be the most entertaining because that one's going to be the most back-and-forth affair. On the NFC side of things, the Bucks over the Eagles. Like I said, the Eagles are, are in an in intriguing team, but for the future, not right now. It's, it's still Tom Brady in the playoffs. Not enough said there. I do have the Cowboys over the 49ers. Um, the Cowboys, it, it depends on which team you, you have showing up, but I think for them to be able to rest a lot of their guys in week 18 um, was a good thing for them. They weren't having to really play for anything at that point. So get some guys, get some rest and get healthy, and that, that really sets them up well. Um, in the battle of our Super Bowl champs, I have to go with the L.A. Rams. I abandoned ship on the Cardinals I'm, just be, mostly because of the injury bug that has yeah. hit the Cardinals and it's it's hard to overcome some of these injuries I mean look JJ Watt out for the entire season um so I don't know I, I still you know I think on the NFC side of things this game is going to be the most exciting game as well and it'll be close in a back and forth affair as well but ultimately, I think the Rams come out on top just because just a little bit more experience, especially at the quarterback position. I know he doesn't have much postseason experience, but when you have a connection like Stafford and Cooper Cup have right now, I mean, that's going to be a tough one to shut down. Especially if the, if the Cardinals had trouble shutting down uh, on the final drive of the Colts game, Carson Wentz and Desmond Patman. And <laughs> We're gonna. They could have some issues. Also, uh, you know, just uh, um, I just lost my train of thought. Never mind. Um, all right. So moving on to the uh, oh, uh, no, DeAndre Hopkins either for the Cardinals. That's also yeah. a big, a big uh, blow for them. Um, so yeah, moving on uh, to the divisional round. Uh, for me, I've got the uh, Titans over the Raiders. I just don't. I think the Titans are just the better team. I don't really 
think I'm I think I'm bold enough to say the Las Vegas is going to the AFC championship game. Um, I think the road ends there. And then I do have the Bills over the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs have shown this year that they are beatable and that Bills defense is really good. Um, so I think that that's where the road ends for uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs. I know it's going to be a game that's in Kansas City. That'll be you know, the exact field, exact stadium where they lost uh, last year's AFC Championship game, but I've got the Bills winning that one. Um, NFC side, I have the Packers over the Rams. Um, L.A. looked bad earlier at the Packers uh, and earlier this season. They needed a fourth quarter rally to even make it thirty-six to twenty-eight. Um, and I just that you know they they went from looking really good earlier in the season to looking very mediocre, even when they were winning late in the season. I mean, they, that blown lead against the 49ers was bad too. So. Um, not not super confident in the Rams. Uh, that's why my uh, confidence was 50% on my Super Bowl pick because uh, I don't have the Rams going too far. Uh, and then the Buccaneers uh, over the Cowboys. Cowboys consistently lose in the second round, even if they do manage to get their way out of the first round. So I've got uh, the Buccaneers there. So setting up a AFC championship game of the Titans and Bills and the Buccaneers and Packers rematch. I, too, have the Titans over the Raiders. Um I feel like Julio Jones is starting to come on finally for the Titans. And with, with him, it kind of changes up the landscape for the Titans, especially without having Derrick Henry. So uh, between him and A.J. Brown, that's a really formidable passing attack. Ryan Tannehill is a very underrated passer as a quarterback. And this is definitely going to be a hard out for a lot of teams. Um, so I got the Titans over the Raiders. I, I think the Chiefs are going to win over the Bills. The Bills' defense has been spotty to me this year. I mean, what, they gave up like 500 yards rushing to Jonathan Taylor a couple weeks back. I, I mean, well, I know it wasn't that much, but it felt like it. And it, that was in bad weather in Buffalo. I mean, there, there's some things to be had. And this is a Chiefs team that just knows how, to, it seems like, when they got your number, they've got your number. They just know how to wear you down. And I think that ends up happening to the Bills D again against the Chiefs. So I got the Chiefs moving on. I'm setting up an AFC championship of Tennessee versus Kansas City. On the NFC side of things, I have the Packers over um, the Rams. Aaron Rodgers I mean, I'm just going to, I can go ahead and say it. Aaron Rodgers is going to get this team all the way to the Super Bowl just so he can give the NFL the good old single double-barreled salute or the double <laughs> single-barreled salute. I More and more, people are, he's just like, he just wants to get there and win the whole thing just to say screw you to everybody. Like, did you hear the rumor that came out today that uh, Aaron Rodgers is reportedly going, if they make the Super Bowl, he's going to reportedly boycott the Super Bowl? I've he not like, heard that. He responded there. He said, Why on earth? Why would I boycott the Super Bowl? What 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 good does that do? <laughs> Anybody. Like, so I, I think he's just kind of like got a screw you attitude. I'm just gonna go win this whole damn thing just because I can, to be yeah. honest. So I got Green Bay moving on. Spoiler alert, but I got Green Bay moving on to the NFC Championship. And um, I've got the Buccaneers over the Cowboys. 
the Buccaneer, it's Tom Brady still. He still has Rob Gronkowski. I mean, this is this is just a, they're defending Super Bowl champs for a reason. And the Cowboys just can't do anything great. You know, one week they're good at this, another week they're good at that. And it's just like you never know what team you're going to get. And unfortunately, you can't play Jackal and Hyde football against Tom Brady. You just can't do it. So the Bucks win setting up Green Bay versus Tampa Bay. Why are we so boring? We went one, two, one, two. <laughs> we went chalk. On- well, you did. You um, did. I did one, th- one, three, one, oh, two. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went, I went chalk. You went completely chalk. I mean, I basically went chalk too. But setting up the championship weekend, AFC for me, it honestly, for me, it all depends on Derrick Henry's status. He could be back maybe at this point. He had three, and he did have three touchdowns uh, in the meeting earlier uh, this season that Tennessee won when it, Tennessee played the Bills. Uh, so that'll depend. We'll see. Um, he's still, in my opinion, even if he plays at that point, he's not going to be at 100%. So he's not going to be necessarily the same Derrick Henry. Um, uh, I've got the Bills over the Titans. I'm sticking with my Bills. We'll see what happens. Um, so I've got them moving on to the Super Bowl. And then in the NFC, uh, I've got the Packers over the Buccaneers. Uh, just some fun facts here. Did you know that Tom Brady has not won back-to-back Super Bowls since his first two against the Rams and the Panthers? Um, yeah. And then he also hasn't won a Super Bowl in an even-numbered year since his first two Super Bowl wins either. So, yeah, he's won Why in like – feel like he wins it like – 2015, 2017, 2019, 2021. So four of the last yeah. eight years he's won, but it's all been on odd-numbered years. So he's like the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the antithesis of the San Francisco Giant. He wins on uh, odd number of years. The Giants win on even number of years. But at least he um, makes the championship yeah. every year. I mean, the San Francisco sure. Giants. I mean, they take every other year off. Pretty much, but yeah, I've got that sets up my Super Bowl as the Bills and Packers. So I I, I keep one of my two Super Bowl teams in there. Just can't can't commit to go. the Rams. There you go. Well, I have the Chiefs over the Titans in the AFC Championship mostly because the status of Derrick Henry is uncertain. Like you said, even if he is back, he's not going to be 100%. He's just not. And that, that's a huge blow for the Titans, especially if you're going to beat the Chiefs, the, the way you're going to do it is by keeping them off the field and having a really good run game. Um, without Derrick Henry, that, that's, a, that's a hard task against the Kansas City Chiefs, especially as considering they're rounding in the form right now. And that, that's what's scary about the Kansas City Chiefs is that they're just finally getting back to where they normally play. So I got the Chiefs moving on to the Super Bowl, but not so fast. We're not going to have a rematch of last year by any stretch of the imagination. If you, if you heard me talking earlier, I said spoiler alert. I got the Green Bay Packers in this NFL, in the Super Bowl, playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. The State Farm Bowl. The State Farm Bowl, yes. <laughs> Whoever wins this game gets the better rate. Um, look, like I said, Aaron Rodgers is just a man on a mission right now. He's got a lot to prove because Green Bay is already packing his bags for him, ready to, for him to get out the door because they're ready to move on to Jordan Love. Why? If they saw if they saw, saw what he did against uh, the Chiefs earlier this season. Pride. Yeah. Up front office pride. Plain and simple. You know, True. It's pride at this point. Um, so – not like Matt LaFleur. I, I think Matt LaFleur would love to have Aaron Rodgers back. I know he would. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't? I mean, so I got a, a Super Bowl of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers. 
Now, this is this is good. This is like old school AFL, NFL. Literally the first yeah. Super Bowl ever <laughs> was was the Packers and Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, and the Chiefs. No, Packers won the first oh, two Packers Super Bowls. Okay. Yeah, first two Super Bowls were won by the Packers, and then the Chiefs beat the Vikings, I think. It's, no, that was Super Bowl four. Super Bowl three was Joe Namath over uh, the Colts yeah. for the Jets. Um, but um, so with my Super Bowl, I I can't, you know, if it felt like this, I felt bad because I was like, if I do what I did a couple of years ago with baseball. Cause if you all remember, I picked uh, the Dodgers and the Yankees to play in the world series. And then I got swept up in the, in slam Diego. Uh, and I picked uh, the Padres over the twins, completely disregarding uh, my earlier pick before that season started. Um, and I'm, you know, of course I picked the Padres and Yankees and neither team really did much of anything either this year. So I uh, kind of more of the same, um, but um, I can't, I can't completely bail on my Super Bowl pick. I said it before the season started. I think the Bills will win the Super Bowl, finally break that curse. I think this is where they do it. They beat the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. So I don't really have a lot of stuff to back it up. I'm just staying loyal to my pick. Uh, you know, I don't do that very often. Normally, like I said, we completely like just leave our picks, preseason picks in the rearview mirror and just kind of, you know, go from what we think is going to happen. So um, I'm going, I'm going with the bills. I'm not saying I'm super confident they would beat the Packers if they played, uh, but I am going to go with the bills to win the Super Bowl over the Green Bay Packers. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. I think it just would be, it'd be, I, I don't know. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> Yeah, because I I want to see Aaron Rodgers. I want to see Roger Goodell have to hand that trophy over to Aaron Rodgers. Now I don't know. I mean, I don't think well, there's really any animosity between the two of them. But I want to see Aaron Rodgers. It's the well, symbolism see, of it. I want to see the owner or the GM of the Green Bay Packers have to hand Aaron Rodgers that trophy. Yeah, it's it's the symbolism of it all because because you had it this year in baseball too. I mean, remember the All Star Game gets taken out of Atlanta, um, and then the Braves win the World Series. So Rob Manfred has to hand the trophy to the city of Atlanta after he you know spurned them earlier in the year. So I mean, now granted, guess, what did Roger Goodell do to Aaron Rodgers? Well, or is I mean, it just the, the vaccine mandate. But 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 what I'm saying is it's symbolic. So the NFL kind of, you know. Now, to be fair, I want to make it known that I don't agree with what Aaron Rodgers did. Just like I don't agree with the law that ultimately caused Atlanta to lose the All Star game. I'm not saying it's right for Manfred to move it. I'm just saying that the circumstances regarding them moving it, I'm not necessarily against. But what I will say too is that. Um, I think it's, this might just be in a, in, in a year where we're seeing a lot of animosity between, you know, the players and the owners, um, you know, I know definitely in baseball at the lockout, but also somewhat too with, you know, (laughs) with some of the stuff in the NFL, at least specifically with green Bay, uh, I think it would be very symbolic that, you know, you have to, you know, both sides have to kind of acknowledge the the people that they cast aside earlier on in the season. I think that's that's kind of a funny way to kind of put a cap on on the sports season. I think also Aaron Rodgers leading the Packers to a Super Bowl championship, and then ownership just letting him walk. 
doing the Trent Dilfer effect. Like, yeah, you won a Super Bowl and I'll get lost. Uh, a little I mean, bit, not 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 the same, but kind of. Aaron Rodgers is probably also going to win MVP. Let's just be right. honest. So yeah, it's it's a little bit different, but yeah. So yeah, I just think it, it the Packers, just because it just kind of feels like that's the way we're headed right now. Well, there you have it. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. B. Scott has the Packers winning the Super Bowl. We will see. And that means we are both totally wrong. We're both way off base. So um, it'll be fun. Uh, of course, make sure you're locked in each and every week because we are going to be coming back to the postseason and, and covering that pretty extensively. So um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we want to remind you that you can follow us at 3C Media Sports on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Uh, Go check out the YouTube channel, 3C Media, over there. Um, we're going to uh, also check out TikTok, 3C Media. Watch us live every week. We want to thank everybody in the chat again. L, Megan, Nikki, um, uh, Dusty, everybody in the chat that hung out tonight. Also, remember, you can interact with us each and every week. Um, by going to twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. We record uh, Tuesday nights ahead of our Wednesday release on uh, all the audio platforms and YouTube. So, uh, and then remember, you can uh, listen every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course podcast. You can find me at Crash Course FM on Twitter. B Scott, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. Next week, again, like I said, we'll be getting into the weeds uh, uh, of the wild card weekend and giving you guys a preview for the divisional round of the NFL postseason. Um, so, um, you know, be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, have a good one, everybody.